open and uh, turn once again into the Old Testament. I'm going to read that passage we read to you last week out of the book of Habakkuk. If you go, go backwards, it's a little easier getting there. If you go to Malachi at the end of the Old Testament, make a left turn and go about four books back, it's easier to find Habakkuk that way. But we've been talking about vision and uh, how important it is to have uh, vision not only corporately, because every church, every organization, if you run a business, it certainly needs a vision. A ministry area needs a vision. But, but vision is very practical. You need a vision for your life. And you will not get to where God wants you to be unless you can begin to see first that preferable future. God has a future for you. One of Tracy's favorite passages is Jeremiah 29 and 11, which talks about God knowing the plans that he has for you, a plans, plans for a future and a hope. And so God has a future for us all, and it's a good future, but one of the requirements to get there is that we begin to have a picture of that in, in our spirit. And so we've been talking about vision these last several weeks, and I had only anticipated really spending a Sunday on it, but there's just so many things that started to stir in me that I felt like were birth of the Lord and that were important for you to begin to uh, understand and embrace. That we're just going to tarry here for a while on vision. So I hope you're getting a vision for your life. Are you seeing yourself, are you seeing yourself prosperous? Are you seeing yourself healthy? Are you seeing yourself joyful, optimistic, content? Are you seeing yourself fulfilled? Are you seeing yourself free? I believe that there is a new day for each and every one of us, but we have to see it, we have to believe it, we have to speak it. Last week we talked about getting a passion for it, and all of these things will begin to unfold that vision picture for us. And so I want to come to the installment I have for you today out of the book of Habakkuk. I guess it's the third installment. And I've entitled our lesson this morning, the message this morning, When to Take a Chance. When to Take a Chance. It's a very important lesson. If you want, if you want that picture to come to pass in your life, then you're going to cross the bridge that asks the question, when do you want to take a risk? And so let's read it again. If you found Habakkuk, if you found Habakkuk, say Amen. If you didn't, you'll see it on the screen overhead. Habakkuk 2, verse 2, it says, Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision. So whatever you begin to see, it's good to write it down. Write the vision. Make it plain on tablets. That he may run who reads it. In other words, when you look at it and you're able to reflect upon it, you get excited about it. Others will get excited about it. And they'll take off running. Verse 3, for the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come, it will not tarry. And we're going to talk about when to take a chance. Now I just want to remind you that Habakkuk was a prophet at the end of the era of the southern kingdom. As you will recall, the nation of Israel divided after Solomon. It turned into the northern and to the southern kingdom. If you ever read your Bible, 
You need to be careful a little bit with dates and timing because oftentimes it will mention Israel. And when it mentions Israel, it's only talking about the northern half because the northern kingdom was called Israel and the southern kingdom was called Judah. And so it's during this time period of a divided kingdom, Judah, the southern kingdom, is being extended in its longevity because through the years it had the wisdom or wherewithal to have several uh, revival reformer kings in that lineage of, of leadership. Now the northern kingdom, by and large, all they had were a bunch of scoundrels for kings after Solomon. I mean, it was just one debacle after another. And because of all the poor leadership, the northern kingdom eventually falls to these growing powers that are all around it. God extends the southern kingdom Judah because there are, there are godly kings, there's good leadership that comes to the forefront on occasion. And through this leadership, they tear down the high places. They reinstitute the worship of the one true God. They, they do things to try to get the nation back on track. And because of that, God stays the hand of judgment. He allows them to exist as a nation for probably 150, thereabout years longer than their northern kingdom brothers and sisters. Now, unfortunately, the southern kingdom would eventually fall as well because that poor leadership and the, the people's attention got turned to idols and the Lord could not allow that to happen. And so the southern kingdom too falls and then the Jewish people are dispersed for for centuries after that. Now, again, I mentioned to you last week, the good news in all of that is this, that if we'll, that if we'll press in and we'll do righteous things and we'll get our hearts right before the Lord, and even when righteous leadership comes, God will extend mercy. And I, I know America has a date. I'm just telling you this. You can take it and just say I'm, I'm off my rocker, but America has a date for destruction. I'm just telling you. Don't you think because it's America that somehow God's impressed? God doesn't somehow go, ooh, that's America. Now that's different. I'll, I'll deal with England and I'll deal with India and I'll deal with China and I'll deal with Russia. But America, I wouldn't dare touch America. I'm just telling you that there'll be a day America will get dealt with. But here's the key for us. We can extend His mercy. We can extend that time period if we'll continue to be a covenant of salt and light in our nation. And, and so my, my call and your call should be in this era that we're going to do everything we can to make sure righteousness exalted the nation. And if we'll do our part, we can hand it off to the next generation and then it's their turn. And as long as each generation does its part, we can extend uh, the hand of mercy, I believe, within the economy of God. And so... Here we are in the southern kingdom. They have done exactly that. But now we're getting down to the end of even their days. And Habakkuk is beginning to prophesy in the midst of a tumultuous era. There are countries that are rising all around them. Assyria, Persia, Babylon. They're all enemies of the Israelites that are arising all around them. And so they have this external adversity. But that's not the end of it inside the nation, Judah, that there, there, there's turmoil going on. There are people worshiping idols. They've reestablished the high places. They're ignoring their God. And so Habakkuk's looking at all of these things externally and internally that are going on. And he, he begins to speak the word of the Lord. And this is what he says. And he's speaking basically to the righteous. He's saying to them, God's still giving visions. Write the vision down. 
Let me give you some good news. I don't care what's going on in the halls of government, whether it be in Washington, D.C. or Columbia, South Carolina. It doesn't matter what may be going on in your personal life right now. The good news is God's still given vision. You can get a vision for your life and you can link up with a vision that God will take somewhere in his in his good economy. And so so Habakkuk in the midst of all of this says there's still a vision. The vision manifestation is not just up to you, he says here, but he says God has a time for the vision. There's a season for your vision. You know, you just can't leverage God to make what you see come to pass. There is a timing and a season to things. And, and I got, I guess, some good news and, and bad news, so to speak. The good news is your vision will happen. The challenging part is, is, is that it may take a moment, it may take some time until God uh, begins to orchestrate or converge a number of things in order that the right time will manifest in order for what it is He wants you to do can go through that open door. I always remind people about his number one major plan, which was Jesus himself. You know, when Adam and Eve sinned, uh, the Lord could have sent a Savior the next day and just cleaned the whole mess up. That could have been the scenario. He could have taken a week and done it. But instead, he took centuries. Is that not true? It was centuries before Jesus showed up to become the lamb slain once and for all before the foundation of the world. And the Bible says this about Jesus. He says that it says in the fullness of time, God sent his son. At the appointed time, at the right moment, God was waiting for some things to converge together in order that his son might be made manifest. You need to keep in mind that if God's number one plan functioned on a timetable that everything had to be in order that your plan is going to have to fit within that convergence as well god's not holding you off just because he delights in making you frustrated he wants to bring his purposes to pass in your life but you understand that his purposes in your life are not just for you but they're also for greater kingdom purpose so he may hide you he may work on you he may keep you off to the side. He may put you on a shelf. He may, he may, you know, put the brakes on. He could do any one of a number of things and he's not doing it to harm you. He's doing it because he's waiting for that appointed time. So the good news is what you're seeing will come to pass, but you've got to wait for the appointed time. In fact, in Proverbs 16 verse 9, in fact, you need to write this down. I, I think it's a great verse in this regard. It says, a man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. So you can have a lot of plans in your heart. You can have a lot of things in your heart that you've got scoped out, especially some of you young people. You've got your future planned out. You know where you're going to go to school. You know what you may study. You've already thought your way through as to what you want to do by way of a career. And those are wonderful plans. And they indeed may be the plans of the Lord. But God will direct your steps. He's the one that's going to bring you to and through various things in order to fashion you with character. And with integrity and with patience, responsibility, optimism, faith. I mean, God could bring our plans to pass tomorrow, but without some character and experience 
listen to me, we can make the greatest of plans, but you'll only keep it about 24 hours if you don't have some things worked inside of you. People crash. You give them, you let people win the lottery and what do they do with it? Uh, there, you've got hundreds of thousands of people praying, oh Lord, help me win the lottery. And God's saying, if I let you win the lottery, you will crash in 24 hours. You say, no, not, not me. Well, maybe not, but I've just watched statistically. You just give it to a person and they'll get a brain cramp and they'll crash. So God not only wants you to have good things and he wants you to enjoy those good things, but he wants you to maintain his will, to sustain his will for his glory and his purposes. That's why, listen now, I'm just, I'm just setting some foundation. That is why you have, you have stories in the Bible like Abraham. You know, Abraham's, Abraham's faith, it talks about how all these years he had a promise and that God spoke to him about a promised baby that would eventually come by way of Isaac. And, and we don't understand. We think that after God spoke it, it was about 24 hours. I'm telling you, it was 25 years. See, we don't get these concepts. We hear about Joseph and Joseph's tenacity. He was 18 years old and he got this vision from God that, that all these sheaves would be bowing to him. And he knew that his brothers would eventually uh, come under his authority and rulership. And you know how much that thrilled the brothers. It threw him in a pit in Potiphar's house and false accusations sent him to prison. And he goes through all of these things until finally he comes into the palace as the number two guy only below Pharaoh. And we think that took about a week. It took decades. And let me just say this, that he didn't network his way to the palace. In fact, if Joseph would have had his druthers, I'm quite sure there would have been another way he would have liked to have used in order to get to his destiny. But he had a plan in his heart given by the Lord, but it was the Lord who directed his steps. And he had to go through those things to fashion inside of him some things that he would need in order to rule in Egypt in an appropriate way. We could talk about Moses. Moses spent 40 years in the wilderness. God prepared him for 40 years before he released him to go into Egypt in order to bring the children of Israel out. We know that Nehemiah, Nehemiah had a, had a work ethic that, that had to be forged in him. That's why he was a cupbearer. That's why he was a servant. God had to show him some things, being a servant for a time before he could go and give leadership to the rebuilding of the walls. I could go through person after person, story after story, and begin to show with you how people had plans in their heart, but God had an appointed time. So God has an appointed time for you, and he has an appointed time for me. And I'm just like you. I want God to get on with the show. I want that just like you do. But I have to realize that God's working something in me and through me and around me in order that when that moment comes, I am a prepared person. I'll never forget R.T. Kendall. Didn't even write it in my notes. I believe the Holy Spirit just quickened me. R.T. Kendall said one time, and I believe he was quoting uh, uh, his mentor when he said that the worst thing that can happen to a person is to succeed before they're ready. That's the worst thing that can happen. So God is trying to ready us for some great things. But the thing I want to focus in on this morning is on when that appointed time comes. When your appointed time comes, 
Will you be ready to take the chance? Will you be ready to take the risk? Now, hold on. I know you'll say, oh, yeah, 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 I'll be ready. Now, we're going to talk about this because every vision has a moment that you have to take what I call a sanctified risk. That's what a faith step is. You understand that there are also a lot of people who have great plans in their heart. They have great intentions. They know God has revealed to them a wonderful future. And truth of the matter is they're unwilling to take whatever the next step is in order to move in the direction that God is trying to bring them. You see these things happen all through life. You can, you can watch the moments these things happen in people's lives. Think about this, just the picture of this for just a moment. Think of, think of especially those of you with children. You have a young child. And the first time, usually they get up the stairs. You know when they're just crawling and beginning to toddle and, and just walking and they're not really secure and they're walking. And, and children, they usually get up staircases relatively easy because you can almost crawl your way up the staircase, right? But it's hard to crawl down the staircase. In, in fact, just not that my dog Pugin is, a, is like a child, although he does get treated like a child on occasion, uh, I'll never forget, he could get up the stairs really well. But when it came time to go down the stairs, he looked like he was just this, this white furry ball. <laughs> because he got up to the stairs, but he couldn't get down the stairs. And so it was really funny to watch him because he'd stand at either the landing or at the top of the stairs and he got up there, which was really cool. But now he's just kind of looking and he's going, where do I go from here? Maybe you've seen children do that as well. They get to the top of the stairs, but then they, they look down the stairs and they go, where do I go from here? And there comes a moment that they have to take that first step. Now, we don't think anything of it, but I can assure you, when you took your first step down a staircase, there were all kinds of things that were going through your mind. Should I take the risk? Maybe I should just stand here and cry until mom comes gets me. I, I, I mean, there's all sorts of things that begin to stir in you. Should I do this or should I not do this? You know, we, we've talked about, uh, you know, getting into a, a swimming pool, the first time maybe someone ever got on a diving board and they're on the end, a teenager's on the end of a diving board and they're looking at the water and they're saying to themselves, is this something I want to do or is this something I don't want to do? There are times when young people get at the end of their high school career and they start thinking about their college or their training situations and they start asking themselves, am I ready to take the risk to go away to school or am I going to stay at home or do I want to take this step? Do I not want to take this step? Some of you have had to go through certain things in your thinking with regards to a new job or a new career. Or maybe you had to move to Charleston in order to, to take on a new job or new career. Some of you may be considering because of the economy. You're, you're in the middle of life and so now you're having to think, should I keep the same career or should I change my career? And so from the moment we're born until the moment we die... There are going to be these moments of asking ourselves the question, when do I take a chance? When do I step into the next thing? When do I, when do I make the jump? When do I take a risk? Well, I'm here to tell you that you will never accomplish a vision or a God plan 
unless you come to terms with that very question. So I want to talk about risk this morning for just a few minutes. A proper perspective of risk. Faith, faith steps involve taking a chance. It involves most of the time not knowing the exact outcome of what you're about to do. When you take a faith step, let's just be honest, you're, you're beginning to, to take a step and, and you, you, you don't have everything maybe put together in such a way that you know exactly the outcome. In fact, a faith step means that you have to trust God in what you're stepping into. So as we begin to start talking about when do I take the chance, when do I make my step, listen to me that a sanctified risk is not like bungee jumping. You know, contrary to maybe others that you have watched, I, I don't believe a faith step is just throwing all caution to the wind. A faith risk is not being a Christian daredevil. Evil Knievel, most people, if you don't know who Evil Knievel is, in my era, he was a motorcycle rider who did these incredible leaps over buses, and I guess he tried to do the Grand Canyon. That didn't work out so well. But he was a daredevil, and, and everybody loves to watch a daredevil. Now, understand that Evil Knievel broke every bone in his body about three times. So daredevils are wonderful people to watch. They fascinate us because this is what we do when we watch a daredevil. We're, we're in there in the stands. You know, we'll pay money to watch a guy break every bone in his body. We will do that. But what we do is as we're standing there in the stands is we're going and, and saying to ourselves, I would never do that. I mean, that is crazy. Now, I'll pay 30 bucks to watch somebody else be crazy, but I, I would never do that. Now, now, hear me, a faith step is not being a Christian daredevil. There is a difference between being a daredevil and taking a faith step. There is a difference between presuming on the grace of God or on gravity and, and stepping forward in what God has put into your heart. At the same time, it's not being a Christian daredevil. I also want to say there are those Christians who have what I call the paralysis of analysis. That they will, they will analyze things every which way to the nth degree and, and, and they're anal they can never break out of the analyzing mode. In fact, they analyze so much they're paralyzed. They won't move because they just keep analyzing. They may seek out wisdom, which is good. They may go get counsel. That's great. But it never gets out of the analysis stage. They overthink things. And in turn... They never move forward. Now, I'll say it again. You can have a great God-inspired vision, but if you never act in faith along the way, it will not come to pass. You've heard the saying, if I always do what I've always done, then I'll always have what I've always had. But if you want something that you've never had, if you want something that God is talking to you about, if you want to pursue an area that you've never been in before, if you're believing God for somewhere you've never been, then listen to me, you're going to be asked to do something you've never done before. There's no way around that. There's no way around it. That's risky, isn't it? Turn to the Gospel of Luke real quick. I want to read you some passages. The, these passages, you know, I've taught from before. And a lot of times I will read these and I've seen them in the context of what it means to be a disciple. And that's an appropriate application. But I started, 
I started thinking about these passages and it just came came to me that I really believe Jesus is talking about vision at some level. Maybe it's the vision to be a disciple and understand what it takes in order to be a disciple. But nonetheless, I think these are some great vision verses here, especially when it comes to how do you take a chance? How do I make a faith step? How do I begin to risk in God? I'm not just saying take a risk, but risk in God. In Luke's Gospel 14, uh, I'm going to begin reading with verse 25. It says this. It says, now great multitudes went with him, meaning Jesus, and he turned and he said to them, now hear me, there's all these people, multitude means thousands. So there are thousands of people hanging around Jesus. Now in our current era, how many of us would automatically say, if there are thousands on board, then he must be doing something right. Now listen to what Jesus does here. This is really interesting. He said, he turned and he said to them, if anyone comes to me, And does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters. Yes, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Now, I'll just untangle this quickly. He wasn't saying that you, that in the sense that we hate somebody. He wasn't saying it that way. He was saying it in the sense of they cannot be your top priority. If if your family is your top priority, you're missing it. Because family, as, as much as Jesus is for your family... And we are a family-oriented ministry as well. We believe in strong families. But the family is not the idol. Parents are not the idol. Jesus is still number one. I still serve God first. Even in my relationship, I am grateful that my wife Tracy is right on board with me. She walks step by step, arm in arm. We're on the same page. I am grateful for that. But listen to me. If the day ever came that she got a brain cramp or that I got a brain cramp, and we started somehow losing our fervency or losing our walk with God, she's not, hear me now, she's not required to submit to that which leads her into sin. Now, I'm just telling you, we have a weird doctrine out there. And believe me, I teach authority. And this church functions under authority. And I understand authority. But I'm telling you, there's a weird doctrine that's out there that says, well, my husband's in sin and I'm supposed to follow him. Really? Show me that verse. See, it gets quiet because I'm right up the southern mentality in their closet pulling things out. You can't be a disciple. You see, she's going to stand before God and say, well, my husband, my husband did this, Jesus. You just got to understand. He went off in sin and I just followed him. She's going to look at you and say, listen, that's not that wasn't your number one. The number one priority is the Lord. I know, I know, I'm twisting people's minds right now, but I'm telling you, there's an appropriate place of honor. I honor my parents. I will honor my wife. I will, I will, I will, I can honor, but that doesn't mean I follow them into sin. Oh, well, that was just free. That wasn't in my notes. Verse 27, whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you intending to build a tower? Now listen, everybody's following Jesus and they're following him because he's healing. He's, he's feeding the thousands. He's, he's obviously resourcing them. I mean, you get free lunch, free dinner. You know, you get healings. You get all these things. I mean, you can pack them in. But now, but now he's telling him, he's saying, if you're going to follow me, if you're getting a vision for following me, if this is your vision, if your vision is to walk with the Lord and your vision is to 
to, to, to be a part of his kingdom and see kingdom things and kingdom plans and his will come to pass in your life, he says, listen now. He says, for which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost whether he has enough to finish it? Lest after he's laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him. Now, I'm just giving you a little Bible study here. He's looking at these people saying this. I appreciate you coming and following and listening. I understand we're building some foundation here. And I appreciate all of these things. But now the time has come for you to really ask yourself the question, do you have a vision for this or not? Because if there's not a right foundation something's going to be askew and awry because we're building. This is what Jesus says. We're going to build something here. And you need to make sure you understand what it takes. He says in verse 30, uh, begin to mock him saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going to make war against another king does not sit down first, consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000. Or else while the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks conditions of peace. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. Now listen closely. We're going to get back to taking faith steps now. I believe that when Jesus began to talk about towers, building a tower, this is just, as I read it, this is just what came to me. I believe that that tower symbolizes new heights. That the tower is new heights. I believe that when he uses the analogy of war, that represents taking new territory, gaining new ground. Now, personally, I want to go to the next level. Now, I know what the next level is for me. You may define it in your life a little bit differently, but I don't want to stay just right where I am. I want to move on with God, amen? I mean, I, I want to go to the next level of living, the next level of life, the next level of peace, the next level of joy, the next level of contentment. I want to go to the next level. I want to gain some new ground, don't you? Amen. I, am, I don't want to stay in the same place I've always been. I want to press into a new arena. Like how about delivered? Or how about prospering? Or how about set free? Or how about the career that I know I'm supposed to have? How about the job? How about the ministry? I mean, there's some new ground that, that I want to press into, don't you? Isn't there a few new areas you might like to press into? Well, according to these verses, there's a strategic way to enter into vision decisions. And so before I teach you some of these strategic considerations, I'm going to go down real quick and I'm going to talk to you about a couple things here real fast that we need to knock out of our life that keep us paralyzed. These are the things that cause us to be reluctant to risk. You've got to knock these things out before you can implement the things that will take you forward. Number one, the uncertainty of the unknown. Why don't we take a risk? It's because we don't know what's coming just around the corner. And when we don't know what's coming around the corner, that unknown is scary. In fact, at times we feel like it's easier to deal with the issues I can see, then create potentially worse issues by stepping out into something I can't fully see. Is it not true that the world would be full of risk takers if we could only see the outcome before we stepped into it? See, now it's so critical. You can see why it's so critical that you and I get a God vision. Because if you and I get a God vision, listen to me, this is important. If you and I begin to see with our imagination that which God has spoken to us, if we can begin to see it, 
listen, which becomes more real than what I'm seeing by the natural eye. If I can see the vision that God has given to me, then when I make my step, I'm not stepping into uncertainty, but I begin to step into that which I am seeing. See, are you with me? Sure, if you're stepping into something you can't see, then you have every right to be just a tad bit nervous. But I'm going back to that's why we've got to see a preferable future. When we step, we're stepping into that future. That's what a faith step is all about. You can begin to see the outcome. You can begin to speak the end from the beginning. You can begin to understand why you must have faith. Because faith means you have confidence. And confidence once that's generated, gives you ability to step forward, not seeing it in the natural, but you have confidence when you step. I've seen it in the spiritual, and I know, I know God has, has brought me to this point. Are you following me? Very important. So you've got to knock out the uncertainty. Number two, the reason we don't take risks is because of the stigma of failure. Nobody wants to fail. Nobody wants to look silly. Nobody wants to look foolish. If we fail, we feel like we're embarrassed. If we fail, sometimes we catch criticism. Even mocking, the Bible tells us. And who wants to endure that? Who wants everybody to gather around us? You know, the I told you so crowd is always ready to get around you, aren't they? I mean, you do something for God and it didn't work out like you'd hoped. And then the I told you so crowd shows up and they're always there. It's amazing. They're never there to help encourage you, but they're always there to say, I told you so. I'm going to define for you right now. Hear me, I didn't put it on the screen, but you may want to write this down. I'm going to define failure in a new way for you. Failure is no longer coming up short of some stated goal or desire. You know, that's what I guess we would define failure in the natural to be. You know, I've come up short. I didn't accomplish some goal. I didn't accomplish some desire. Let's redefine failure, okay? Hey, you know what? Our world's redefining everything. They redefine marriage. They redefine relationship. They re- I mean, they're redefining everything. So I'm going to redefine some things. And I'm going to redefine failure. Failure is now never taking the shot at what is a vision inside of me. That's when you fail. Failure isn't when you just fail to achieve the stated objective. Failure is when you don't even step. I I mean, we need to cheer when you at least take the step. I mean, you have now distinguished yourself from 98% of human beings is when you just take the step. It is better to take a shot at something and fail than to have never taken a shot at all. I mean, I mean, in basketball, if you want to score, you got to do what? You got to take a shot. If you're in baseball and you want to hit for a base hit, you got to what? Swing the bat. If you're in football and you're the quarterback and you want to make a touchdown, you got to throw the pass. In order to make a big play, you've got to take a shot at it. Otherwise, you're on the bench. I mean, how many shots did Michael Jordan miss? Probably not many. But I'll tell you this, every shot he didn't take, he didn't score. So we've got to learn to take some steps and break out of the stigma of failure. It is better to fail 50 times with one success than it is to never have tried at all. Number three, vested interest. Why don't we take risks? i got to hurry. Vested interest. To step forward means 
you got to leave something behind. And when you leave something behind, that's hard. See, Jesus said to go on with God. He said sometimes it's going to be dropping nets. It may mean leaving a career. It may mean leaving family members. It may mean leaving friends. It may mean leaving jobs. Everything's on the table here. This is God's plan for your life. And so you've got to understand that when you step forward into something, you're going to leave something behind. I want, I want to keep all my friends. I want to keep everybody happy. I want these things. And in a sense, they bring some security to me. But if my trust and security is ultimately in God, it's more important I step. And if they want to come along, they're welcome to take the journey. But if they don't come, they can't be my anchor. The rich young ruler had a vision. Is it not true? He looked at Jesus. He wanted to follow Jesus. He said, I've kept the law. I've done everything I know to do that's right. And Jesus just looked at him and he said, well, then sell you all you have. Give it to the poor and come follow me. But he couldn't let go of his money. I wonder, I wonder what his destiny may have been if he would have let it go. I mean, the other guys let go of their fishing nets. Now, I think that's significant and it probably was significant to them. But in his mind, I can hear what he's saying. He's saying, well, those are just fishing nets. Those are just lowly old fishermen. It wouldn't be that hard to give up a fishing career or a fishing business. Ain't much to that. They haven't had much invested in it. Just takes a pole and a boat and you're off fishing. But me, look at what I've accrued. Look at all the things that I've, I've, I've got in my life. You're asking, you're asking me to let it all go. And Jesus says, I'm not asking you to do anything. I haven't asked them. Everything they had was on the table and everything you've got must be on the table. It must be on the table. And again, that's why the Bible says it's easier for the camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is a rich man. To go through the gates of heaven. And it's not because God's against you being rich. Listen to me, and I've said this. God wants to prosper you. God wants to bless you. God is literally desiring to create millionaires in his church. I believe that with all of my heart. But our problem is that the money becomes our vested interest. And we can't let it go. Because if I let it go, what will I hold on to? Him! That's what you hold on to. And then lastly, the reason we don't take risks is the desire for comfort. Taking a step is uncomfortable. I mean, let's just be honest. This is not easy. Why rock the boat? I mean, I don't want to rock the boat. I don't see why we should rock the boat when it isn't necessary. I mean, that's some people's lives. Some people's lives are the sum total. Their vision in life is don't rock the boat. Please don't rock the boat. My life is comfortable. I don't want to upset the apple cart. Let's just keep in smooth waters. Let's just keep it right where it is. Listen, the routine has its benefits. The routine is comfortable, but it is a vision thief. Especially as we get older. I think when we get older, we, we, we begin to accrue even more and more. And there's so much at stake. There are retirement issues and we just don't want to rock the boat. And, and, and so I don't want to lose my comfortability. Listen, folks, if you want a vision, it's going to be uncomfortable. If you want what God's calling you to, there's going to be a moment you're going to have to eclipse the fears and, and the anxieties and the worries, and, and, you're, and you're going to have to make a step. Now, I'm going to tell you how to make it right now, all right? How do you do this? How do you take a risk? How do you begin to think and, and pray and meditate on all of these issues? How do I begin to move forward? Well, for most people, what happens is their frustration levels exceed their fear factors. 
and then they make a step. Now listen to me. Everybody, when, when you're frustrated or you're in pain, you're, you're, so, you're so just, you're discontent, you're just, you're just all worked up, and you've reached a place where you can't take it anymore, and so you just, I'm going to take a step. That's how most change comes in people's lives. You're fed up. You're fed up and it's just, I'm, I'm ready to do it because wherever it is, is just, you can't imagine anything being worse than where you're at. And so because nothing could be worse, you're ready to move to anything because it couldn't be any worse than where you just left. Now, that's how most people do it. I do not believe that's probably the best way to do it, although God does use that at times. I believe a far better way is when we're able to strategically move in God without waiting until he has to make our life so uncomfortable, produce so much pain. You say, God produces pain? Hey, let me tell you something. God will allow a lot of things to happen to get you up and off neutral. God can use it, but I think there's a better way that will not be as emotionally draining. So here's... What I want you to begin to ask yourself, write these things down. They're going to come in handy. It may not be handy today, but there'll be a day these will be real handy. Questions to ask before you take your risk or before you take your step. Number one, have I really heard God in this regard? Have I really heard the Lord? Now, this is a very subjective area because you know what? I can't hear the Lord for you. Now, sometimes I can bring maybe some confirmation. Sometimes maybe the Lord will use pastor or some friend in your life that can bring some confirmation. But nobody can really answer this question but you. Has God really spoken to you? There needs to be a moment that you can look to and have the confidence that God has spoken to you. Maybe you heard the voice. You know, some people say they hear the voice of the Lord. I believe that that is indeed possible. Some people get impressions from the Lord. Some people experience in life what we would call providences or, or divine moments. But somehow, some way, God has begun to speak to you and you know that you've heard that God has spoken. Now, I can tell you that major decisions in my life or our family's life are based on the confidence that this is the will of God. Now, there have been moments, just like any one of you, that we have struggled around wondering what God was saying and is this the Lord? And I'm not going to sit here and say that, that I hear with 100% clarity every single moment of the day because that would not be true. There are times I kind of wonder and I muse and I say to myself, is this you, Lord? Is this me? Because all of us, all of us are on a journey. We're having our senses practiced and trained to discern good and evil. So all of us as human beings are learning along the way. But I am learning. See, that's the key. Are you learning to hear his voice? Are you learning to step in his ways? Are you learning how God speaks to you? One of the first things you should be doing in your Christian walk is, is beginning to understand how God speaks to you. Does he speak to you in a certain way? You know, God's not trying to trip us up. He's not trying to snag us or hoodoo us or pull the rug out from under us. He's not trying to do something and then go, gotcha. That's not, the, that's not the heart of the Lord. The Lord wants you in His will. He really wants you to be in the center of what He's up to. He wants to speak to you, but we are dull of hearing. And so we've got to begin to learn through life and through trusting Him and through making faith steps along the way. We need to begin to understand how it is that God has spoken to us. 
And, and we have begun to learn through the years how God can begin to speak to us. He's always spoken even at last minute intervals in order to get through to us. And it's always amazing that whenever we hear the voice of God and we know the voice of the Lord has spoken, that whether or not we have made every step perfect along the way, it always works out. Because we've heard the voice of God. He's not trying to trip you up. The steps of the righteous are ordered. And so we hear God's voice, and that voice gives us confidence to begin to move forward. If you begin to do things without really hearing His voice, then all I can say is, is that get your experience, because you're going to hear a lot of I told you so's from the Holy Ghost. And you'll at least know that. But that's the first thing. Have I really heard from God in this regard? I remember when the Lord called me into ministry. I mean, I heard, I heard from God. If I were to walk away from this, I'd be in sin. Now you're saying, well, you mean you couldn't work another job like I do? I'm not saying I couldn't or I wouldn't have to. I'm just simply saying I know the will of God. It's just beyond all shadow of a doubt. I remember when he spoke to us about coming to Charleston, South Carolina. To this day, I remember some of those moments that that decision was made. You say you've never been shook in that decision? No, there have been a couple times I've said, oh God, was this the right thing to do? But I'm telling you, I can always go back and one of us can look each other in the eye and say, you remember when God said? I remember as children were being born and came into our life. I mean, God is a speaking God. The scripture says the God of glory thunders. God wants to speak. He's speaking in the earth if we'll have ears to hear. That's the first one. Write it down. Have I heard God for certain in this area? I mean, you're so certain that if you lost it all, you still got that. Come on, because I'm just telling you, don't think that he might not ask you to lose it all. You say, God would let me lose it all? Well, he told Peter last week, he said, even if you gave it all up, I'll restore it to you a hundredfold in this life right now. You have to walk it up a mountain like Abraham did with Isaac. Don't you be fearful. You just walk it up the mountain. And even if it's killed, he'll raise it to life again. See, the question is, who do you trust? What do you trust? Have you heard from God? Number two. As you're making the step, ask yourself this question. Is this the appointed time? Now, it is true. There's a timing to everything. Again, you can't keep putting off maybe your appointed time. And you can't, you can't make your appointed time come quicker. I, I oftentimes use the analogy of Peter walking on the water because Peter heard the voice of God. You remember Jesus was walking on the water and, and Peter had a word. He just didn't jump out of the boat. He had a word. The Lord said, come. So Peter had a word. And, and at that moment, it was the appointed time for him to step out of the boat and he too began to walk on the water. Now, I, I just put down here, I said, it's interesting because he could not walk on water before that word. And so far as we know, he could not perpetually walk on water. There was a timing to it. The voice of the Lord spoke. It was the moment he took his step. The key to a lot of your vision is timing. It's like a birth. If the baby comes too early, it is premature and it probably has to go to the ICU unit. If it's too late, it can have problems as well. A birth is something that is timed right. In fact, our text that I read to you, Jesus said a king must consider if this is the time to go to war. 
Is this really the time to go to war? Are there resources? Are there support uh, mechanisms? Is there strategy? You know, sometimes God will send you to war with 300 instead of 30,000. Sometimes he'll trim the troops even. God may tell you to quit a job. If it is his voice and you have the timing, then quit. But don't quit just because you're irritated. Because your irritation is not always the signal of timing. In fact, it could be that God's working something with you at that moment to produce maybe a character quality that will enable you to walk in vision even more greatly. I don't know. But the key to timing is making sure that this was the moment, that you got the word and that this is the moment. So is this the appointed time? Number three, am I truly passionate about what I am stepping towards? Whenever you take a step forward into whatever it is you're seeing, there's going to be adversity and discouragement. And most of all, it's going to take some work. There's a work to any vision and you will wear yourself out if you don't have a zeal and a passion for what you're doing. Listen to me, if, if, if you've got a vision, let's just say you've just, you're just, you've got a vision for your personal wholeness. You've got a vision for your personal freedom. You've got, you got a vision for a better quality of life. You wanna, I, I'm talking about just kind of foundational concepts here. You just want your joy back. You want your peace. You want your hope. I mean, we'll, just, we'll forget about jobs and careers and ministries and callings. Let's just, just let's, let's push that to the side and let's just get back to i just want to be functional i'm i'm telling you you've got to get passionate about that you've got to want it remember what i said last week you 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 got to want that and and if you're stepping towards something and you're saying to yourself well and i've watched this i don't i can't tell you how many times through the years i've given invitations now and i had people come forward and i know they're well-meaning people or they wouldn't have stepped out and come but listen to me I've watched. I can, I, can, I can discern it. They'll come and this is what they'll do. They'll go, well, I've tried Tai Chi, tried a counselor, tried AA, tried rehab, checked myself into the psych ward. I guess I'll, I guess I'll try Jesus. Well, you know what? I want to just go, because you know what, you got to get passionate. How bad do you want this thing? It's going to take some work even in that. You're going to have to implement some things. You're going to have to put some energy into it. People have said to me, they said, you know, I want to, I want to go into the ministry and and then they'll ask me about what it took to get into the ministry. And I'll give you a four letter word, W-O-R-K. It took some work. I was called to it. Yes. There were places along the way that God used people and doors opened and all sorts of things. But let me tell you, it wasn't just luck. There were divine moments. Yes, but but I had to do things and put energy into it and serve. And, and I'm telling you, it wasn't always pleasant or it wasn't always visible. I, I mean, there were times as you're stepping towards your vision, God lets you take your next step. And I'll never forget one time I, I took my step toward my vision and he sent me to a rescue mission. Nothing wrong with the rescue mission, Kansas City Rescue Mission. And there were about four guys in there and two of them were reading the newspaper when I was trying to preach the gospel to them. And I can remember standing there as a young man 
and saying, Lord, this is not what I've been called to do. I'm not called to do rescue mission. Hey, listen, I used to go to the nursing home every single week for about two years. I'd go to the nursing home and I'd preach to all the, the people in the nursing home. They're worthy to be preached to. Don't misunderstand me. But most of them got wheeled in and they snoozed through the whole deal. Because they're old and it's just they're the end of their life and... And, 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 and I remember oftentimes, you know, you smile, you greet, you hug, and you try to, you know, not get the drool cup on you and all the kind of things that are happening. But I mean, it's just, I'm going, God, this is not what I've been called to do. I am so sick of hearing people saying, I'm not called to do that. Well, you know what? It may not be your calling, but it may be your next step. And the reason you aren't getting to your calling is because you want to avoid the next step. And that's your work. That's your service. That's God's directing you in your path. That's the next step. I mean, there's all kinds of things. And I'm telling you, in our circle, we want to, you know, we want to just a, a call, a, you know, a prayer, lay hands on me and a hearty how silver. And we're off in destiny. Now, you aren't going to, I'm just telling you, I look back now and, and did I like everything I went through? No, there were, I went through seasons, year, two years, three years doing these things. Did I like it? No. Was I called to do it? No. It was not my ultimate stop on the vision line, but it was the next step. And I had to keep my passion, even though I didn't like where I was. I had to keep the work ethic of it going on. That is why to this day, I don't feel bad when I look at people and they go, well, I just don't believe God called me to do that. I just don't think he'd make me do that. I just don't think that. Well, God bless you. You go figure it out your way then. Because I figured it out the book's way. Amen. That was so good. Man, I tell you, I felt, I felt an anointing right there. The Holy Ghost showed up right there. I like that. Wow. Number four, I got to hurry. Am I prepared to accept the consequences of this step? You know, the account in Luke's gospel says count the cost. We can all envision the blessing, the benefit, the success, and the rewards of the vision. But are you prepared to accept whatever the outcome of your step may be? Are you prepared? Good or bad, you're prepared. Can I just share this with you? I have made steps in my life that didn't turn out so hot. I thought they were faith steps. And I believe God used it ultimately because the Bible says that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love him and are called according to a purpose. So even though I took a step and it didn't shake out exactly like I thought it would, I still believe, based on Romans eight twenty eight, that God uses that for my benefit. But the deal is, if, if they didn't turn out right, probably it was because I wasn't asking some of these questions. But a lot of the things that have happened, at least in my life, turned out well because I want the will of God. And when you want the will of God, you're, you're willing to accept the consequences of your next step. See, Joseph, even though he went through all these things, at times even he was being pushed along. 
but he had to accept the consequences of what was happening in his life as unjust and as unfair as it might have seemed at the time. There had to be some resolution with where he was at because of what had taken place. And God was able to use that. Our problem is, is that we'll make a step. It doesn't shake like we think it should have shook. And we spend all of our time looking back, wondering, well, should I have done this? Should I have done that? Should I have gone here? Should I have gone there? Probably shouldn't have done anything at all. Probably just messed the whole thing up. You know what the problem is? Get turned back this way and seek God for your next step. Accept the consequences, good or bad. Lord, all I know is, Lord, I'm taking a step for you. If you kill me, glory to God. I'll see you soon. But I accept whatever it is that's coming my way. And there have been times I've been willing to accept the worst possible outcome. Listen, for me, I'm willing to accept the worst possible outcome because I can't accept the I wonder if I'd only. I don't want to be 90 years old preaching to you all. And you know I'm going to be preaching to you at 90. You know that, don't you? I don't want to be 90 years old standing up in front of you one day in just one of those senior moments. And I go off in a direction. And I say, I, 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 wonder, I wonder what would have happened if I'd just gone that direction. If we as a church would have just maybe, I wonder what. That ain't going to be me. Now, I, I'm not, not going to yank everybody around, but I, I'm telling you. It's better, it's better to step and somehow or another, as things are coming, okay, it didn't shake out, whatever God's doing, I'll accept, I'll figure it out, he'll talk to me more about it, I'll get it a little bit later down the road, but truth of the matter is, I've got nowhere to go but forward. That's where I'm headed, toward this preferable future. And so you've got to be willing to do that. When you step out in faith, see Peter, when he stepped out of the boat, he had to accept the fact he could get wet. Now, he wanted to walk on water, and indeed he did walk on water, never would have known unless he'd have stepped out and walked on water. But you do understand that as he's assimilating all of this, and as you're stepping out, you're saying to yourself, I could get wet. you got to understand as you're taking a step, you're, you may say, you know what, I'm losing it. Yep. But at the same time, you'll never see a miracle moment unless you do take the step. There were 11 other disciples in the boat that day. And they're all sitting around in the boat. And here's Peter. And he says, Lord, bid me come if it's you. The Lord says, come. Now, it's interesting. As I read it, he never said, the Lord never said, come, Peter. The Lord sent out a word. And Peter heard God speak. And he made the step. Now, there were 11 other disciples in the boat. And you know what those 11 disciples were doing. This is what they were doing. They were going, Peter. He's always so impetuous. He's always so tangential. I mean, he's always just, he's always, he's just always pushing the envelope. He just, you know, I can't believe, I didn't, you can just hear them all going back there. Because you know that's what they did. Those disciples, they were just all yan-yan with each other. And they had, they, and then, then, and then what brought them unity was the fact that there was one guy trying to walk on water. And so there were 11 guys there and they all heard the word come. Only one of them decided to act on it. From that point on till the day Peter died, he knew the feeling, the exhilaration, the joy 
of what it meant to literally be standing and walking on water. There were 11 other guys in the boat that day that will always wonder what if. What if? What if we'd have done that? What if we all just 12 just stepped out? Well, what if we just had a water walking party that day? What if we just... What if we all just leapt out at the same time? Wonder, I wonder, they'll never know. They'll always wonder, what if? And here's our problem. Most people like the safety of the boat than they do the adventure of taking the step. And you have to be prepared to accept the consequences of what may happen. And, and isn't that a cool story? Because it says, Peter began to sink and the Lord reached out his hand. Isn't that cool? Just a revelation. As I step forward, and it seems like I'm sinking, if I just reach my hand up, he'll bring me back up. Hallelujah. Then finally, lastly, and I'll just put this out there, especially for those of you that that are married. Number five, will anyone else be affected by this step? Because you see, truth of the matter is, when you're when you're in a in a marriage relationship, you you are functioning as one flesh. There needs to be some unity in this thing. And uh, you know, truth of the matter is, I believe that's why Paul said, it, he said it's better to be single. Uh, he really said that. And uh, I know for most of us, we're born for companionship because of our desires and our nature. Nothing wrong with that, nothing evil in that. But, but, but I believe this is one of the reasons why Paul said, if you can live single, that might be a better way to live and serve the Lord. Now, he says, if, if you're burning, get married. So there's nothing, nothing wrong with either one. But you understand, when you're stepping out of a boat, it's one thing for you to get wet. It's another thing for the whole family to get wet. And, and so for me... As head of a house, I have to consider that as I step out of a boat, I've got to consider, is everybody else prepared to get wet too? Now, here's what I'm grateful for. I'm grateful for the fact that I have a wife who wants to be a water walker too. And we've trained our children to be water walkers. And so when it comes time to do some water walking things, we've already developed a culture of water walking. So when it comes a moment, it's, just, it's not a matter of do we water walk, it's a matter of is this the time to water walk? That's why the Bible says, and I'm talking now to single people again, you don't want to be unequally yoked. Because there's going to be a moment that you're going to want to do some water walking and the one you're with is your anchor. Now God bless them and you're in a covenant and, and, and that's an important thing and, and you're going to have to work these things out. But that's when you get on your knees and you begin to say, oh God, cause my spouse to be a water walker. Lord, work in them. We've got a vision. That's why you sow vision into one another. That's why you get vision together even as a couple. That's why these things are important even as a family. Because I believe that God's raising up people to do just that. To fulfill a preferable future. So, so you can't sink everybody around you. See, I have to think about that as a pastor. You see, I, I, if I water walk, that's one thing. But if I sink you all, that may not be exactly fair. I have to think about that at times. And, and, and so that's, that's an absolutely uh, uh, valid and important consideration. Amos 3.3 says that, that can two walk together unless they be agreed. And, and, and so there has to be a unity in these things as well. But the good news is this, is that God has a future. He, he's, he's got this, this incredible plan 
this blessing that you're just maybe now beginning to see, but, but he's got this plan for you and, and, and he's coming to us. And all we may hear is one word. He just may say, come. And when he says, come at that moment, something supernatural can happen. See, nothing supernatural happened to the 11 in the boat, did it? You're not going to get anything supernatural sitting in the boat. The supernatural moment comes when you take the step. And I believe we got some water walkers here. Come on, ask your, I'm not asking you to raise a hand yet. I'm just asking you rhetorically, get this in your spirit. Are you ready to be a water walker? Come on, that's where God will move. That's where the miracles will come. That's when, that's when he will do things that can only be explained by him. Is when you take the step. Stand with me, will you? Thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you this morning. I thank you for each person here and the picture that you are beginning to paint before their very eyes. With regards to their preferable future. I thank you, Lord, for the picture that you've painted before all of our eyes here in this local church of a preferable future. And Lord, we're excited about that. I'm excited for what you're doing in the people. And I'm excited for what you're doing in our church. I'm excited for your goodwill because it's always an adventure. It's always amazing, over the top. Lord, I'm excited about all of these things. But Lord, even as we're passionate and excited and we're prepared to work, Lord, there's a moment and a time when you're going to call us to step. Lord, first off, we want to make sure we're hearing your voice. And that we're stepping into the appointed time. But Lord, I pray right now that you would cause people's faith to be enlarged right now. I know there are folks in the room this morning, Lord, that have stepped out in faith in days past. And you have done amazing things. And you enlarged them. But now they're looking at something that's a little bit bigger. A little bit more challenging. Lord, help them right now. Lord, to, to hear your voice. To know your timing. To begin to... See themselves, Lord, walking on their water, stepping out of the boat. Thank you, Lord, that you're going to bring us into an incredible destiny. I always, I always remember the children of Israel. Lord, how that first generation, they, they, they couldn't see past the giants. All they could see was the size of the giants and the, and, and the incredible enemy that they were facing. And Lord, they couldn't take the step and they had to die off and die out. But then you raised up a generation who said, we are well able. You raised up a generation that was able to say, we can do this. And the minute, and the minute they stepped into the Jordan, you parted the waters. And they walked into their destiny. Lord, let us be a generation that as we take a step, Lord, we'll either walk on that water or they'll part for us. And we'll move into that vision picture. Lord, I want that right now. With every head bowed and every eye closed, two quick things before we go this morning. I want you right now just to acknowledge before God, if this is you, I'm going to, I'm going to let you do that right there in your seat, but, but just acknowledge before God right now and say, Lord, I need courage. I need some courage. I'm not, l- l- hear me now, I'm not pushing you off your diving board right now. I'm not pushing you. God's not pushing you. We're not pushing you down the stairs. We're not pushing you into the pool. We're not pushing you into your future. Nobody's pushing you anywhere. It may not be the time, it may not be the moment God has spoken, but this much you do know. You would, you would be honest enough to admit, saying, I, I, I need courage. 
I need some divine courage when that moment comes to make that step. I want to pray for that this morning before I go. And if that's you, just lift your hand and just say, I I need some courage. See, all sorts of hands. God bless you. Father, you see the hands that are raised right now. There are people right here, right now, Lord, that I believe love you. Lord, they want what you have painted in front of their eyes. Lord, they desire it. There's even a passion there for it. But Lord, now you're going to have to release courage. That when the moment comes that you say come, that Lord, whether or not anyone else jumps up to step out of the boat, they're going to take their step. Whatever it may be, I don't know what that may be for them. But Lord, you're going to make it plain. Lord, I pray that you would instill courage in them. That they would be that they would be a courageous Christian, that they would be an uncommon Christian, that, Lord, they would uh, be pursuers of your will. And, Lord, I thank you that you're doing that right now. Right now, if you raise your hands one more time, just lift your hand right now and let God impart that into you. Lord, just by your spirit, let courage begin to invade these people's lives in a special way. Let them hear your voice. Let them know the time. In Jesus' name. You can put your hands down. And then lastly, and We'll only take just a few moments. The first faith step for some people is this, that if you've never opened up your life to Jesus Christ, it's been a few weeks since I've done this, but tonight, or excuse me, this morning, I want to do that. If God's talking to you, the first faith step you make in your life is opening up your heart to Jesus and saying, I want this life. I'm ready for this adventure. I'm I'm tired of the sin. uh, I'm tired of average. I'm tired of following the crowd. I am ready to distinguish myself by accepting jesus stepping into his will for my life maybe some of you need to get the life right i don't care where you are you made a decision years ago you need to renew it you've never made a decision before and you're ready to make the decision right now there's no music no nothing it's just are you ready to make that step we invite people to come forward and the reason we do is because that's your first faith step by saying lord i'm taking a step to you I don't know all that it means. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how it's all going to shake out. But I'm here. Whatever the consequences are, I'm embracing it. Because I want you forever. I want people praying right now. Pray right now just for a moment. I'm going to give you just a moment. But if that's you right now, I want you to slip out. And I just want you to come join me. And we're just going to love you and hug your neck and be affirming to you. Yeah, folks are coming. Look at that. God bless you. Just come on. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Come on. Man, I'm blessed, man. Men, God bless you. God bless you. Come on, keep praying. This is what we do here. Just pray for another moment or two. We're just going to love people right now. God loves you. He gave his son for you that you could have a future and a hope. Not only here, but for all eternity. How about you? How about you? Come on, I can only wait just another moment or two. This shouldn't take long. Hey, it's, it's, analyzing it isn't going to be any better an hour from now than it is right now. Come on, don't be paralyzed by the analysis. Just, come on, just step out by faith right now. If that's you. Just, I can, I, just another moment. Just a moment. Hey, Tim, come on down, would you please? And Some of the guys I'm working with. Just come on, slip out. Maybe, Pastor Noah, if you're still in your head, yeah, you come on down. Let's just gather up with these guys and let's just begin to pray. Amen. We're going to pray as the house of God. I want everybody's voice, you guys that are with me here, everybody's voice right now. We're going to pray together before we go. I want everyone together just to repeat after me. 
Say, Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I thank you today that I'm hearing your voice. And you're beckoning me to come. And I took my step. I renounce the past. (laughs) I repent from it. And I turn toward you. I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. I believe in my heart that he was raised from the dead in order to give me new life. And I receive that new life. I'm excited about it and the adventure and my future. Lord, help me to be a water walker, not a boat person. (laughs) And Lord, I just receive that spirit, that spirit of life inside of me right now. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Guys, I want you to pray some more. They're going to they're gonna pray some more with you. No, hang with you. Amen. Let me ask you now, are you ready to be a water walker? How many water walkers? Come on, wave at me. Wave at me. Come on, wave. Hallelujah. See, man, that's, that's the miracle zone right there. Lord, bless your people now, Lord. Give them confidence. Give them wisdom. Lord, give them, give them everything they need so that they can be Christians who are credible in the earth. Lord, I bless them as they're released today. Lord, protect each and every one. Cause them to have a great week this week because we're going to be on our toes listening for you and taking the steps you ask us to take. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. Love your neighbor.